Recorded live from somewhere under the rainbow, it's Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. This week's show is going to be a bit difficult for some members of the queer community because we're talking about divisiveness within our community. 51 years after the Stonewall riots began the gay pride movement, nearly 40 years after the AIDS epidemic at first crushed, then strengthened the resolve of the pride movement, and five years after the Supreme Court decided that the fundamental right to marry applied to same-sex couples, we're discovering the goal of equality for all being hindered by the very same people who got us this far. We'll be discussing problematic gay white men right after our traditional music swell and fade Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses, and by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And right now I'm going to say five words we're not going to be using in tonight's show. Not all gay white men. Statements that begin with not all are often used to deflect and moderate criticism of problematic groups whose use of whatever privilege and power they have is often self-centered and self-directed. Those not all statements are invariably uttered by people who have a stake in maintaining the status quo or who wish to distance themselves from peers who they acknowledge are behaving problematically. We're not going to be using those words in our discussion of problematic gay white men. Men who, once they have met all their goals of workplace, social, and marriage equality, remove themselves from the struggle for similar equality for queer people of color and transgender folks of any color. Or even worse, have decided to side with power on these issues and support candidates and policies that tend to further marginalize the already marginalized. And joining us tonight in this discussion are Kai Von Doom, a comedian and political activist who is also a queer woman of color, and Jace Meyer Crosby who is become kind of a regular guest and fill-in guest host whenever I need to step away for a little bit. Chase is a transgender man who incidentally first brought up this subject with us in our conversation with him exactly 51 weeks ago. Jason Kai, welcome to Transformation Thursday. 
Hi. Hi. Glad you guys are here. So let's just dive into it. Uh, Jace, if at all possible, and Kai, both, could you uh, give me a, your definitions of a problematic white, gay white men so that we have that here on our, uh, uh, just so we know that where you're starting off on these things? Okay, uh, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> I would say a problematic gay white man is someone who puts their whiteness above all else. Like they're still in a marginalized group, but at the end of the day, they still have some privilege being male, especially being a cis male and being white. So at the end of the day, they're gonna hang on to that privilege and put that above the general fight for equality. Yeah, I, I guess I I should have said it during the, all my the stuff that I said there, the word cisgender, because that is kind of important in this. Uh, there are There are gay, transgender men as well that I, I did not actually, but we're talking about the cisgender gay white man. ...comfortable as, you know, a queer white man of us just using the blanket term um, gay white men, because even though I might be marginalized for being trans, I still have masculine privilege and I still have white privilege um, and I still certainly have the ability to leverage those things for either good or for ill. Um, and, you know, sadly, in a, in a world built on white supremacy and, and patriarchy where, um, you know, the people in power are used to always having power and privilege, you know, we use the phrase equality always feels like oppression. And so exactly like Kai said, a lot of us are going to make the wrong choice and are going to um, use our uh, our whiteness to make our own lives easier and the lives of um, BIPOC people harder. And a lot of us are going to use our masculine privilege to make our own lives easier and the lives of women, femmes, and all marginalized genders harder. Um, and I think the really toxic trifecta comes in when you have just this tiny bit of marginalization mixed in as well. Where, yeah. where a white gay man knows that there's a little chink in his otherwise perfect heap of privilege. And in order to combat that and counteract that, very often behaves and votes and um, engages in social practices and social action to make sure that that one marginalized identity doesn't mean that they lose out on those other privileges. That's why we see so many racist gay men. That's why we see so many sexist gay men. Um, I think that's why it's, a, it's its own whole category of problematic because we're, um, we really see a lot of people trying to not let their gayness um, make their life hard by making everybody else's life a little harder and kind of stepping on those people in order to, to get ahead. Sorry, that was a really long intro. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm honestly comfortable even as a trans person with us not adding the qualifier of, of problematic cisgender gay white men. I think gay white men is enough because there's already enough privilege packed in there. Absolutely. Uh, and that was a really great um, summation of, of the problem and also a very a great summation of all of the points of defense that just come so naturally to, uh, to, to white people that uh, are so naturally, they, they feel like 
they, they feel like it's something that is privileged. And, and Kai, you have to face this on, on a daily basis. What is it, what is it like for you having to, to go through uh, life? Not even uh, for me as, as, as a, um, I, I'm probably the one who is most steeped in privilege of this group um, being the oldest. And um, I remember the first time, uh, you know, you know, you ever seen those, those, uh, those questions like who was the first black teacher you had? Uh, the first black teacher that I had was when I was a freshman in college. And, and she was the first person who called me privileged. And my response to that was, yes, of course I am. It's about time somebody recognized it. I was so steeped in it that I didn't even recognize that it was a problematic position for me. It was just who I was supposed to be. Uh, so I've had to come a very long way from that. And I have come into the uh, LGBTQ world very late in life. I do not have the same sort of history. I've not, I've not my fear of being uh, outed as transgender was so deep that I, even though I was, I said all the right things and was for marriage equality and everything else, I was intensely uncomfortable around gay and trans people and distanced myself from them until it almost killed me. So I have a hard time and I'm, and I'm just coming into this and I, my, my observations when I came in to, to the, the queer world, I was like, oh, we're one big happy family. And so for me, it's a surprise to see that there is this issue and, um, and then to see how much privilege I had to, rec to think that this was a surprise. But for somebody who has grown up in it like you have, Kai, um, and who is working really hard to to not only elevate your voice but the voice of queer and people of color all over the place it's got to be really hard to have people who are supposed to be nominally allies not be that yeah well it's hard because being at that intersection of being queer and being black you feel like neither side is really for you that's why most of my close friends are also queer people of color because if you're at a pride march, for example, or any just just blanket LGBTQ event, you don't see a lot of Black people in the positions of power, and you don't see a lot of Black voices being heard, so you feel like this isn't really for me, because at the end of the day, as I said earlier, those people still value their whiteness above all else. And if you're in a situation where it's like a Black Lives Matter thing, where a lot of the organizers of that are usually queer people of color, but some people there don't acknowledge that. So it turns into, okay, this is about black people in general. And a lot of black people don't want to acknowledge the queerness in our community. That's always been there. One of the things that I, I have, I, I read while uh, preparing for this was an article in them that was from 2017 called white gay men are hindering our progress as a queer community. And uh, I'm just gonna read a, if I, did I lose it again? Ah, oh, shoot, I think I lost, I, I had, oh, here it is. Sexism and racism, not just additive, but multiplicative, says Jillian Weiss, Executive Je Director of the Transgender Legal Defense and Education Fund. Weiss says that in order to liberate all members of the LGBTQ plus community, it is necessary to elevate those with the least privilege Intersectionally, intersectionality is absolutely crucial to our mo movement. It's not just one thing at a time we need to fight. And yet there are so many 
people, the ones who have the most power, the ones who should be most fighting for us are the ones who are backing away from the fight. And that's just incredibly frustrating to me. It's that self-preservation, I think. It's, it's that knowledge deep down that you are one of the outcasts. You are one of the marginalized. But that refusal to acknowledge that because you still have the privilege of being able to, to leverage your, and honestly weaponize your whiteness and your manness against people who don't have those, those same privileges. Um, and it's, it's so, I, I hear particularly black women in, um, uh, in my circles who are uh, gracious enough to give me their emotional uh, labor on this stuff, um, which I always pay them for, by the way, white people, black people are educating you, give them those dollars. Um, but they, they very often use the phrase, anyone is capable of voting against their own interests. And I think um, we, we mainly see that happen with people who are trying to cling to what privilege they, they do have. They, they vote for people like the current president who's very anti-LGBTQ um, because they know he's also very anti-Black and brown people, which is good for them as white people. And he's also very sexist, which is good for them as men, um, and so on and so forth. Yeah, Nick, that brings up a, a bigger issue of the uh, that us versus them mentality and what um, dictators and what other people that, oh gosh, like our president get into it. It is that us versus them. And if you look at poor white people, they have, if you look at the political and economic message of the Republican Party, they have very little interest in that message, but yet the way it's been weaponized in this us versus them marginalizing people of color, also the LGBT community, you know, how do you work with, let's just put it out there because there's no way, how do you work with white people to say, I don't, I have a tough life. I don't have privilege. How, how do you even start that conversation? Because I can think of relatives right now spread out through the Midwest that if I tried to have this conversation with them, they'd be like, well, I haven't had an easy life. So, how do we start this conversation? I, and I, I want to start this with Kai because I want to hear it from Kai's perspective, as as a as a as a black woman who's queer. How do you have that conversation? For me, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that everyone has some type of privilege. Like, I'm a black woman, and I'm a queer black woman. So that's kind of low on the totem pole when it comes to how much privilege you have, but I'm still cisgender, I'm skinny, I'm light skinned when it comes to other, like in comparison to other black people. So I still have all of those privileges. So what you need, what people need to realize is that you might've had a hard life, but you didn't have a hard life because you're white. You didn't have a hard life because you're a man. Those are things that I try to explain to people when they say they don't have privilege just because their life was hard. You didn't have these other things making your life even more difficult. Because I grew up poor, but then I also had the fact that I'm black on top of that, making it worse. So you didn't have those other things that added to the weight of your hard life. Yeah, and, and I, I remember talking with, uh, with, with a black family once when I was selling insurance in a life that seems like a million years ago, but you know, they were complaining about something. And one of the things I said to them was like, I can't 
begin to understand what your life is like, but I thank you for giving me this insight into some of your experiences. And, and one of the things I said to him, and I'll say this, I will never be pulled over, even as a trans woman, for driving while being white. That will never happen to me. And if I am, it'll probably be along the lines of, excuse me, ma'am, you need to get out of this neighborhood. I'm, and so those are experiences that I'm never going to have. And understanding that doesn't mean that, you know, we're not, as Penny and I say, we're probably the least privileged white people there are, but we still have our white privilege. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, it's having those conversations with people, but in, but white people have been conditioned not to talk about race. And we've been fortunate in that, but having these conversations are tough. And so, but when we bring this back to, to gay white men, you know, when Penny's told that, you know, she would have more sex as a gay, <laughs> gay man because she's so masculine still, or I'm told that I'm just a cross-dresser no matter I've been on hormones for two years and these things on my chest are as real as real can be, you know, the, the, the gay men are siding with power. And, and I view this, I have a note here, they view privilege and that opportunity and that acceptance as a scarce resource. Mm. Yep. But yet, that's not the way these things work. And on NPR a couple of weeks ago, when I was getting ready in the morning, there's a Native American gentleman being interviewed. He said, because of Black Lives Matter, he has more respect in his community where he lives now. So I look at Black Lives Matter and having been to a protest, my daughter's been to a protest. I work for a company who's provided us Black Lives Matter t-shirts and we wear them to work and we get some looks, but I don't care. But I view this as an opportunity to lift our boats. That just because, you know, we all have equal amounts of privilege doesn't mean I'd lose anything. I mean, am I, am I on base? Am I off base on this? I mean, I, I feel like I'm rambling, but I'll let Jason Kai argue this one out. How's that? I don't think you're rambling at all. I just wanted to say that. That was a really, really good summation. I think when we think of privilege as a scarce resource, we're acknowledging the fact that we've been given something that other people haven't. We're acknowledging the truth that oh, I didn't actually earn this. I only have these things because of, of how I present to the world. Um, and so I, I go back to the, I'm gonna forget who said it, but the, the quote of like a society only being as strong as its weakest members um, and a society's values being determined by how they treat um, the most marginalized members. Um, and so I, I loved, Amy, what you said about, um, I got this image of like lifting all of the boats. Like if we're, if we're changing the water, if we're physically yeah. changing the environment of this country to not be built on privilege and to not allow oppression of any kind, it's good for all of us. Um, and it, it might mean um, giving up privilege in some cases, but like, not to be too dramatic, wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather give up privilege than like lose your soul? <laughs> wouldn't you rather lose some privilege um, and know that you're participating in a society where all people are valued equally and all lives are defended equally um, than and cling to your own personal privileges and watch people 
who were simply born looking and moving through the world differently than you do um, continue to suffer. By the way, I think that was either uh, Mahatma Gandhi or Hubert Humphrey who said those words or similar words to it. Um, oh, okay. If it was Gandhi, I'm going to reel it back because he was serious. Well, yeah, serious well, going on in his uh yeah well i i don't know right now i i I just did a real quick google search and there's like a big discussion of whether it was humphrey or gandhi um so uh, let's hope it was humphrey (laughs) well they tore down his metrodome so yeah but he's still minnesotan so you must be happy about that amy (laughs) yeah okay what about you Uh, my one of the thoughts that i i i'm having with this is is it even (laughs) And this, this, this sounds, I, I, I don't know how this is going to come off because it's, uh, it's still forming in my head, but how do, we, how, do, how do we incorporate these people in the movement or do we even try? Do we just move away from them? Uh, and, and if they want to come along, they come along on the terms of the people who are in charge and not the ones not the people who want to say I am a champion of and get at the front. If you're unless you're willing to stand on on the side and listen to the most marginalized and amplify those voices, thank you, but no thank you. I mean, is that what we have to do? Is that what you would like to see? I'll, Kai, would you like to see that? I think I would say people of color are always the ones who are fighting for everyone, especially if we exist at these intersections. Because like with Stonewall, it was black trans women who were mostly at the forefront of that movement. Mm -hmm. And it benefited all of those groups individually, because you can't separate like I can't separate being queer, I can't separate being a woman, I can't separate being black. Those are not things I can detach from. So anything I fight for is for all of those groups. So I think white people do need to stand aside a little bit and be like let's put people of color to the forefront because queer people of color are going to fight for all queer people because we can't separate that part of our identity and the the, other people who are allies of queer people of color um uh, chris thompson i on uh, i think it was twitter uh like in caps i think it was today today or yesterday said you know trans rights are black rights and you cannot separate the two and it's like i'm just so it's like oh my god chris you're just you made my day again uh he just how many times he says things that just make my heart sing and that that sort of advocacy from from uh the cisgender the heterosexual world is what i'm looking for yes and chris is black but i i I don't see white people stepping up like that white men especially gay white men especially I see gay white men fighting about whether or not queer is an insult. I've actually been, I've, I've actually walked in, uh, I do volunteer work for the Human Rights Campaign, and so I've, I've done a lot of uh, events for HRC, and I've actually heard that conversation being had numerous times about, you know, it's an insult and we shouldn't be calling people, well, yeah, so was gay until you own, took, took ownership of that. This is much more inclusive what's the problem or is the problem that you don't want it to be inclusive is the inclusivity the problem and if it is what the hell are you doing here i don't know what else to say 
so where do we move from here? I guess to the next question. What do you no. want to say? So well, you let me let me let me jump back in on something here because let's sure. let's talk about this word queer and reclaiming words and and I think that's what a lot of it comes down to is you know is this older gay white men had that queer label slurred at them so much is that they've recoiled from it. But so much of our our identity as as people within the LGBT community community now is reclaiming that queer word you know before we started this i was talking about glennon doyle who's married to rochester native abby wambach mm -hmm. and this week she posted a story she had something on her instagram story that was shared with me and she kept using the word queer but it was strictly in a sexuality standpoint there was no conversation around that intersexuality or in intersectionality with gender. And so my question then for a lot of people that it be gay or lesbian, does your definition of queer, is that inclusive of trans women and what we bring to the table? Is it inclusive of trans men and what they bring to the table and getting past this idea of women and men's spaces? And I mean, but how do, there's even within our own communities we continue to need to have this conversation because if you look at you know the trans exclusionary radical feminists the turfs and we'll also talk about them as farts every once in a while on this show just to make penny happy yep and but if you look at the back back end of those groups they tend to be funded by right-wing groups but yet we have people like J.K. Rowling and other influential people with this English movement overseas now to separate out into LGB spaces and exclude gender and queer. So how, how do you guys feel about the word queer? I mean, I love it, but I also like, but my ex-wife, she hates it because she's like, well, when we were kids, it was a slur. But I'm like, yeah, we're, we're reclaiming it now. Kai, do you mind if I do a little bit of a, a language geek out about? Oh, I would for a second, and then one. I hope you. I, I vote yes. Thumbs up. From okay, yeah. so um, I think it's a you know it's a valid anxiety that like that word was used to to hurt me when um, when I was younger, um, but I think what people don't realize about the evolution of language in an oppressive climate um, is that words become mainstream because first marginalized people reclaim them and then people with privilege appropriate them. Ooh, That's how that. all words become mainstream. Mm -hmm. So gay was originally a slur. Gay was something that men who loved men got um, called as an insult. Um, and they started to reclaim that word. They were like, fine, we don't have a word for what we are. These people think they've come up with one. We're not ashamed of this thing they're using as an insult. We're going to take it back. We're going to identify that way. Um, what even fewer people know is that gay then became the blanket term for the LGBTQ community. Um, like when Marsha P. Johnson, um, you know, was engaged in the, the riots at uh, Stonewall, which, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of language around this, but it's fairly evident that she identified as a trans woman um, who was attracted to men and was therefore probably straight she yelled, give me my gay rights now, um, and went on record as saying that because it was this term that at the time included everyone. 
well, then what happened is that the white gay men that we keep talking about started to find all of these people that they didn't think gay should include. It started with lesbians. It was easy enough. You're not a man, you can't be gay. Weaponizing that masculine privilege. Um, and then it expanded to include trans people. You, well, they didn't have the word cisgender, but it was basically, you're not a man the way I'm a man. You're not a woman the way they're women. You're not gay. Uh, weaponizing cisgender privilege. Um, and then, again, like Kai said, because they're white before anything else, they continued to close, to shut um, queer people of color out of the movement for gay rights. So th that's where we got like drag and ballroom culture, which is mainstream gay culture now. Black and brown queer people made their own spaces, created their own culture, and then white gays swooped back in and said, oh, actually, this is really cool. This belongs to us now. Um, so queer starting out as a derogatory term and then turning into this blanket term for the community is just another example of mainstream society trying to tell a community what doesn't belong to them and what they can't have and, um, and, uh, and marginalized people choosing to take it back. I think queer especially belongs to genderqueer people and to black and brown people. That's my opinion, Kai, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like gay people and even white lesbian people have had their terms, have had their spaces, have had their culture um, sort of made mainstream. And now kind of the rest of us are, are fighting. And that term is, is the sort of rallying cry and kind of flag that, that the rest of us have at this point. I have this issue, by the way, and, and I've talked about this before, of the entire, the, just the, the name LGBTQIA, the, the entire alphabet of, of, of letters to make sure that we include everybody in, in, this, in this one organization because it just feels so, by definition, so factionalized and fractionalized. Like there's an umbrella, there's a rainbow umbrella and we ought to stand under our own, own specific color. Uh, and I wish that there was some word or phrase that could be used in, in, in place of it. As, and, and I would love to see queer be that word because it just, it is, for me, it is all encompassing. Uh, I, I like your definition and the way you've presented it here, Kai, but it's still, I'm, I'm still looking for something that would work better than what we have right now. So that's just what I want to throw in there. You know, can we talk a little bit about, you know, what happened on Friday here in the community? I think Kai, I think maybe, you know, you know, black, being black and trans is, is a very, you know, and Penny shared some statistics online, you know, about life expectancy, especially for black trans women. And this week, one of the Black Lives Matter, you know, organizers was attacked in town here. I mean, how, how, how dangerous is it to be queer you know, in your communities and in your spaces, Kai. I mean, I, I view you as extremely brave knowing you from comedy and also knowing, you know, I don't know much about you other than from what I know from you from comedy and Facebook, but you know, I, I, but I view what you do in the community as extremely brave and I wanna honor you for that and recognize you for that here because I think, 
you know, you're taking big steps in our community um, and within your own communities here to better our world. And, you know, and that, that needs to be honored. But maybe you can talk about that intersexuality or not sexuality, I keep saying intersectionality and, and where those things intersect, you know, within the, in the communities that, you, that you're active in. Thank you. First of all, that's really sweet. But for me, I think, like I said, I feel like I can't ever be both Black and queer at the same time. Like doing comedy, it is a lot of straight, cisgender, white dudes that I'm around all the time. Very, so that's very cis, very white. Oh, yes. <laughs> so a lot of times I'll like want to do jokes about loving women or loving non-binary people or jokes just about my blackness and I know that they'll just be like okay this is way too PC what is she doing we don't like this so I kind of have to reel it in a little bit like there's always facets of my identity that I feel like I have to hide a little bit and it can be very frustrating and very stressful or even speaking out about black rights are doing the black lives matter movement there are certain people in that movement where as soon as you bring up the fact that it's trans black women who are being killed the most like they always want to talk about the black men who are killed by police but trans black women are facing violence in every facet of their life and are being murdered at the highest rate of all black people but they don't want to talk about that and then when you bring it up it turns into a, why are you changing this into an LGBTQ issue? Instead of realizing that this is still a black issue. This is still a human issue. This is a queer issue. They're all interconnected. You can't separate one from the other because there are queer people of color who exist. So queer issues and gay rights are always gonna be black issues and vice versa. Black issues are always going to be queer issues because we exist in this community. I, I think I saw, uh, what is it, seven uh, black trans women have been murdered in the last five weeks. Did I, is that, is that what, I, is that what the, the statistic is, the, the facts are of this? Something like that? Yeah, I believe so. That's, that's mind-boggling. I hear it's like, like it's the, the one that I saw was it's seven times more likely to die violently if you are a black trans woman than any other, than any other category of intersect, in, intersectional category. Yeah. Seven times more likely to die violently. That is, that, that's just wrong. And, and what are we gonna do about that? And so, that's only acknowledging the, the likelihood of dying violently. That's not even addressing the, um, the fact that, you know, white, of, of supremacy means that that poverty is severe in those communities and that healthcare and discrimination in healthcare is a huge issue for both of those communities and all of those communities and all those intersections so even just looking at violent deaths that's just one slice of the the extreme risk that you know white supremacist patriarchal heteronormative fill-in-the-blank world of privilege we're putting black trans women in every day yeah that is, and that is, it is, yeah, and not only just an actual health care, the actual care given to black trans women is, so it's uh, black, black people in general, but trans women specifically, uh, it's so bad there is actually a law that was enacted because I think it was in 1985, a, um, a, a black woman was riding in a car and was involved in an accident 
and it was not that it was not that major of an accident and she should have survived but step by step every single like the first emt online uh, there refused to touch her because she had a penis and so they just stood around and laughed laughed at her until the supervisor came in and finally did some work and every step of the way from the minute she was in the accident until she died so many things could have been done to save her life that were not because people did not want to deal with a black transgender woman who needed medical care. And that's just wrong. And that, and that's still, that's still the norm. That's still the way that black people in general, I just saw today, I was reading today about a, a, uh, a black man who was diabetic, who uh, uh, was going into diabetic shock. His, uh, his girlfriend called an EMT and the EMT was like, what drugs is he on? And like, you know, we need to know what drugs he's on. And so just tell us. And she's like, no, he's, diabetic and they would not believe the the people and so this and, and and put the trans transgender on top of that and it's amazing any of them are still alive any trans people are still alive these days so let me ask you this question i'm going to ask this to both i'm going to start with kai if you could speak safely to a room full of problematic gay white men what would you want to say to them I would just want them to understand that, first of all, they are oppressors as well. Like you can't just continue to point the finger at straight white men or straight white people without looking at yourselves and be like, how are you oppressing people of color as well? What are you doing to fight? And that staying silent is also a form of oppression. If you're standing by and watching your brothers and sisters of color be oppressed and be abused and you aren't saying anything you're actively contributing jace what about you what would you say to them i'd probably start out with exactly what kai said that um we're all oppressors as well as you know the slivers of our lives where we're where we're ourselves oppressed and then i would probably try to to pivot to talking about the the micro ways that gay cis male culture is built to um just like on a really small scale is is built to perpetuate a lot of this oppression and this marginalization that we keep talking about how um you know white drag queens keep getting praised for the groundbreaking work that black drag queens have been doing for decades um uh, white gay men continue to appropriate the language that that black queer, queer people keep coming up with to feel heard in their own communities. Um, gay men still, white gay men still think it's acceptable to write in, they think they're being oppressed when they're told that they can't write in their grinder bio, you know, no femmes, no blacks, no Asians. Um, they think that, you know, their preferences aren't shaped by um, white supremacy and patriarchy and anti-transness and, and all of these things. And so, um, yeah, I'd probably try to start a conversation about how just the choices that we make moving through our everyday lives in our communities are adding up to create a world where it is not safe to be a Black, queer, or trans person. I, and I would hope that they would listen. I think we could do a whole episode on Grinder. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we could. You would have, have to do. You would have to do it without me because I'm not on Grinder. So, 
Um, so that would be uh, you, you. You guys can take care of that one. Place would uh, be a fun outside perspective. Yeah. So. It would be. I probably maybe I should. Should I get on Grinder? I mean, is there any? Like, oh, is there, <laughs> that's what I thought. I actually, <laughs> I, I actually had a trans friend tell me once. I'm like, oh, you know, when I was first coming on, I'm like, you know, where'd be a good place for me to meet people? And she seriously said Grinder, and I'm like, uh, there. That seems counterintuitive, but I'll just stick with my gut on this one and give that one a no. So, you know, but the Kai, you know, I have maybe when we can get back to doing comedy, you know, uh, last year I did a comedy show where you could have told every joke you ever wanted to about loving women, non-binary persons. So when, when we get back out of this on the backside of this and we can do live comedy the way we want to do it, um, Penny and I and you and I and all of us, we'll, we'll, we'll put together a show and you, you'll be able to tell every joke you, you were always afraid to tell at an open mic on a Monday through Thursday night. I'd love that. Yeah. I just want to get together with all y'all and just give y'all hugs. I'm just like so tired of not meeting people and not giving hugs. That's the thing that I would love to get, except for the problematic gay white man. I'll just shake their hand. That's about it. <laughs> so Kai Von Doom and Jace Meyer Crosby, this has been a fascinating and illuminating uh, time talking with you. Do you have anything you want to add to the, to the conversation as we wrap up for the, uh, for the event? Didn't think so. Guy <laughs> and Jace, thank you very much. Thanks we'll be right back. We're, we enjoyed being had. This is Transformation Thursday. We'll be right back. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to transformationthursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple podcast please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020 welcome back to transformation thursday i'm penny sterling my pronouns are she her and amy that was a a, a conversation that was far more graceful than it would have been if it had just been me talking about it, quite frankly. Yeah, I, you and I, yeah, I, I'm amazed at how calmly, especially Kai in the face of everything, can just be so eloquent and so graceful in her words and expressing her opinions. And, and with Jace, too, you know, Jace is, you know, the way I look at him and his knowledge of language and... Um, understanding these things is so vast and so, and he's done a lot of the hard work that a lot of white people are afraid to do and you know and I think you know if it, if this conversation was just us you would be mad and screaming and I would have cried my way through the whole show <laughs> yeah I can't wait to edit this thing because I want to go back and and listen to what Jace said and what he talked about in the history of the word queer uh, is, is I found it fascinating. I'm really looking forward to hearing him talk about that again. And uh, he's just such an amazing man.
I, I, I'm honored that he came on our show. Yeah, and I, you know, I think this is his fourth time on our show in some capacity. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, it's certainly at least the yeah, at least the fourth. Maybe yes, it is the. I think it's the fourth time. There was the one time when he co-hosted when you were in in England. There was the one that we did 51 weeks ago where we talked about his work with intimacy theater. Um, and then it might be one he more. co-hosted the um, with your pastor. Uh, yes, that was that one as well. Yes, yeah, so I think that it's fourth. Certainly, uh, certainly, certainly a, a a brilliant man, and welcome on the show anytime. Yeah, a good a good friend of the show and somebody nice to have around who can you know, you know. And what I like about Jace too is you know I've you know when I've made some posts on Facebook or comments, Jace has a way of being able to point out privilege and explain it and talk to it even on social media in a way that's beneficial and helps me learn. And so, you know, I'm I'm thankful to have somebody like that who's who's willing to not only, you know, call you out in a way, but do it in a way that's very educational and helps me and gentle. Fill, yeah. And helps me fill in my blind spots, because I'll be honest with you, I need help filling in my blind yeah. spots. I mean, I'm, I'm new to this conversation around privilege and gender and LGBTQ. I'm newer to it than you are. And yeah, so, I, I guess. So, I mean, these are, you know, and what I want to say to people, too, especially white people that don't come from the privilege or maybe, you know, it's a cis, cis heterosexual white person. If somebody wants to talk to you and point out privilege and have this conversation with you, be afraid to be not be afraid, but don't be afraid to get uncomfortable and have these discussions because when you can start to learn and empathize from people that have less power, less privilege than you, there's some real opportunities for growth and understanding that you're really missing out on if you just dismiss us and don't listen to us. That work is so important when when you can find people who explain to you. I, I had a friend um, on, I've had several friends online do this and I've had others in person who have done this who have just taken the time to to gently uh, but insistently and lovingly um re-educate me and it is a lot of work it must have been exhausting for them uh especially to do it with the amount of patience that they uh they had with me because i am a bear of very little brain let's be honest so yeah i think that we had a great half hour or actually more than a half hour of conversation and uh, this is something that we're going to have to come back for an, another time. Yeah, but, there's, uh, just, there's too much here for just this one conversation. I mean, we could we could have people on every week just talking about these topics. Yeah, and other topics as well about you know, for for about about issues within the LGBTQ community. It, it is not a a solid block. It will never be that. But uh, as long as we can find it, find ways to work with each other, um, that's the important thing. And as far as working with people, I could not work with a better co-host than you, Amy. This has been another great show of Transformation Thursday. I look forward to talking with you about who knows what next week. Yeah, we, we, we will talk again next week, if not before then, right? Sounds like a plan. Good night, Amy. Good night, Penny.